0: What is life to you? That's a question. Now, you cannot say good, bad, wonderful. But it all depends, of course, upon your moods. If you're young, beautiful, strong, as you heard, money, you might be so that is it's wonderful, good. If you're sick and awfully tired or just Sick of living, so life is awful. Well, that's, you know, it's, if you're old, you say, well, life is not so pleasant anymore. If you're young, so life is a great expectancy. So please, before I start my sermon, think about it. If I ask you the question, what is life to you? I, well, I, get, I will tell you what is life to me. You can look at all the eyes looking at me. <laughs> life is a challenge. Yeah? That just about covers everything you have. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? What is the challenge? A challenge is a change. How to cope with a change. And frankly speaking, that's the whole life. That's life is about. Life is full of challenge, you have to accept the good, accept the bad and always be what God wants you to be at any time. You see, life always brings a change. Every day there is a change in your life. Let's face it. In fact, there's nothing new or different about it because of the fact, uh, look at nature few days ago, we were having a wonderful hot days, you know. And that's cold. Okay, it's fine. It's a challenge. You have to accept it. Practice speaking, if you don't know how to accept a challenge or change, you are a failure. Because you ruin your life because of the fact you are not ready to accept any challenge at all. It has life has ups and downs. In the Church of God, we have seen this, we are quite used to it. Uh, And some people succeed in life because of the fact that they are able to accept change, to adapt their lives to change, and to still keep the right attitude. You know, if you think hard, that's what the Bible wants us to do. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to just accept it challenges in life in the right way, the right attitude in the Christian way, and then go on with an attitude God, what God will appreciate. Some of life trials are hard. Some of them are easy. Some of them are questionable. <laughs> now, in preparing this sermon here, I just looked at some of the examples in the Bible, and I first month, the thought came to me about Job. Now, here, Job had everything. Really, it's just enjoyable, wonderful family, fame, health, and so forth. And then, somehow, God wanted to test him, put him before a challenge. Change of life, totally speaking. And see how Job is going to meet the challenge. Now, it could be perhaps you don't have the same perhaps expectancy or some same trials, but in some ways your job. In some ways you, ask, you meet challenges a day. You sometimes lose things. You sometimes regret things. You lose a friend, whatever it is. How do you face it? Remember God said, about Job, Job was righteous. So, when God took everything, he allowed Satan to to take everything from Job, look at Job's attitude. He says, God has given, God has taken. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Look at the difference. That's what I'm talking about. Before a challenge, if you can end the challenge saying, thank God, as you heard in the ceremony, in a way, then you are in the right attitude. Then you are able to just cope with life's challenges. I repeat, challenge is a change. And life brings a change every moment, every day. Those are basics. Those are simple truths. And we have to endure, we have to accept. And then if the worst came, as it happened in Job's case, even his wife says, look, give up and curse God. Job too. 10, what was his his answer? So, should we indeed accept good from God and should we not accept adversity? Look at the attitude. This is what we're talking about. See, here's a man who can face a challenge, a change, tremendous shall I say, losing everything. He says, we accept good from God, should we not also accept adversity? Before we even go any further with this subject, uh, before we say what is life or full of challenges, who are you? What am I? What are you? That's another way of looking at it. What are you? Great? No. Small? Maybe. I mean what are you really? Let us David uh, answer in Psalms chapter one hundred and forty four. Verse three and four. Said, so, Lord, what, a man, what is a man? Here it is. What is man? What are you? What am I? What is man that you should take knowledge of him? One hundred forty-four, verse three. Or oh, the son no of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. Ha! Ah, interesting. So, look at this. Is the way to accept the challenge. Because you're sometimes so depressed as though life is going on forever. No. Life is is a breath. So whatever your difficulties, your problems, today they disappear like a breath. His days, he says, are (laughs) like a passing shadow. See, this beautiful, the way it's described, if you look at descriptions like this, then you can meet life's challenges. Any change would be easy to take because of the fact it's nothing compared to what is ahead of us. So we are just a breath, or a passing shadow. Something James says in New Testament, chapter James chapter 4, and again, just as beautifully described, James writes in chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Come now, he says, you say today or tomorrow or we will we'll go and do such a thing, whatever it is, spend a year there or here, buy, sell, you know, every day's activities and make a profit. Whereas he says you don't know what will happen tomorrow. That is another big change. It doesn't mean that you have to be discouraged, no, or just give up, no. You still have to go on with what God has in mind for you, but in the meantime you should have the attitude that, look, whatever the challenge, I will accept. I'll do the most of it. So he says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's the same question again. I said, what is life? What is, what is man? It is even it says a vapor. Now <laughs> we are a vapor. That appears as for a little time and uh, then vanishes away. You know, once you get this type of an outlook upon life, then you can meet any challenge. You can accept any changes. This is what we really taught at Ambassador College. See, the college was not where, as we have today, which is nice, university teaching. It was how to live, how to accept the challenges in life and just still remain a Christian. It's good to have academic knowledge, yes. But you need more than that. You need God's way of meeting challenges. Having the right attitude, the right balance, then God will bless you whatever you do. You know, if, if you read biographies, in Pasadena we were told to read, every student, at least two or three biographies. Why? Because each biography of a great man shows how they cope with situation. They tell you, "Look, don't expect life to be beautiful all the way, no. But if what makes life beautiful or exciting, that you know how to cope with circumstances, how to accept challenges, and to still be you as God wants you to be. That's reason why I remember we read quite a few students or even professors books about great men. And you'd be surprised. Great men did not have an easy life. They had to struggle. They had to fight. They had to work hard, very hard. And then the result, end result was that there's some of them these things which we still are benefiting from like Thomas Edison. You know, it wasn't easy for Thomas Edison to read his own book, his biography. He struggled a lot to come out with it. Or others. Of course, (laughs) I can also say about Charles de Gaulle. Made a statement, which which in in a way is interesting. De Gaulle said, I wish we could all do it. He says, If circumstances are against us, we change circumstances. (laughs) I I don't think you can do that. But he is a wishful thinking. Well, maybe if you have some power, you can change some circumstances, but there are things in life you cannot change. The truth is that challenges in life you can never change. It will happen no matter what happens, despite what the goal says. Look around. Now, for instance, aging. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> young ones are laughing. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> See, yes, you think it's, it's far away. It is, they are not, it's not so far away at all. Remember, vapor it goes fast. Before you know it, some of you might lose your hair. I don't know. (laughs) The fact remains that you see aging or passing time, you cannot change. And that's one of the difficulties most people have. They don't know how to adapt to changes as time goes on. It's sad to say, but some people have never lived their age. Either behind or ahead of time. You other know what? You let the present pass because you're regretting or wishing something which you don't have. And before you know it, you have been old before having enjoyed youth. That's true. You see it because some of us have had that experience. I've seen it. I've seen this in the college in Pasadena. I've seen it. You know, People don't live in the present most of the time. Therefore, if you don't really live in the present, you're not able to cope with a challenge. There's always a regret or wishful thinking. That's the reason why, as I said, some people are not able to cope with a change. I remember one of the interesting statements Mr. Armstrong used to say, think of what you do as you do it. That's simple, but it's very great truth. Oftentimes, you're doing something, your mind is somewhere else. You're not thinking of what you're doing. So, let your mind be in the present, not in the past or in the future. Otherwise, you won't be able to cope with the challenge. For instance, let me give you one example, because it is interesting. I met students, especially in Pasadena, They were building a tremendous future in their their minds. It was nice. But they never worked toward it. Every time there was a challenge, they collapsed. They wanted things to be given to them on a silver platter. You know, to me, one of the saddest things we did in older days, we gave too much to the students rather than expect them to work for it. And that's to me, is one of the reasons why some of our people did not meet the challenge when the test came upon the church. If you accept the truth on the silver platter, if you haven't fought for it, you won't appreciate it. That's why I like this idea of studying and going forward, but always remember that you have to fight for it. You have to appreciate it. So, what's... Maybe that's the reason why, with all the respect, people don't or didn't appreciate plain truth. It was given to them free. If maybe they purchased... I'm just giving an example here. Maybe they would appreciate because they they bought it. Likewise, as I said, often times in the truth, in in God's church, even here, you are given verses, you are given sermons, you hear them, you might appreciate some of them, all of them, I don't know, but are you making an effort to really study? If you don't study what you really hear, if you don't apply to yourselves, and frankly, you are not being in time. You are not able to meet a change or challenge. You see, brethren, at age 20, you cannot think as a person of 60 thinks, or vice versa. At age 70, you cannot really think or do what a person of 20 will do. So, if you don't ad- adjust your thinking in this ch- uh, type of change or challenge, then you are miserable. Everyone else has to learn how to live his age, his circumstances, try to improve, try to go forward. But that takes effort. That takes really... Tremendous work. And with God's help, you can do it. You will have it if you know that a change is a must in life. That's what it is. A change equals challenge. Challenge equals change. And change and challenges do need actually accepting what you can accept, changing what you can change. In the meantime, always be in the right attitude. Philosophy, you know, it's very simple. Simple yet hard. Simple because if you live in the present, it's simple. If your mind is elsewhere, if you're wishing something, wishful thinking, and then uh, it's very hard because your your life will be full of deception. If you're not living in the present, your life is one with deception. You know, Paul said in First Corinthians chapter. 13, the love chapter. It's interesting because here's a love chapter and all of a sudden, at the end, he changes the idea. He says, look, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. He says, I understood as a child. There it is. See the changes? I thought as a child. It's very clear. But he says, when I became a man, mature, more mature, and some of us have not matured enough, I put away childish things. I repeat, some of us have not reached that age or that stage. Some of us are still child in our thinking, even though we might be 40, 50, 60, whatever it is. Some of us have not grown or outgrown, have not been able to meet the challenges in life. Today, To me, it's interesting because, you see, I've been blessed with challenges. I've been blessed because I was born in a different country, not here. I wanted to come to America. It was hard. God blessed me, I came. I saw the old world, so to speak. I was born when actually I was, well, I was actually working, just studying, just finishing When the First World War came, I was blessed in a way because I was in Switzerland. It was a neutral country. I was not mobilized. But I was ready to go if need be. So we had to accept the challenge. The Swiss government said, look, prepare, as Mr. Meredith said a few weeks ago. Get ready because you don't know what's going to happen. When the war began, the First World War in 1939, most Swiss people, I was in Switzerland, were ready at least for one week to have everything they needed. I didn't. I wasn't ready. I was single, so I did not do anything I said, well I go to restaurants. Hmm. Restaurants were closed. There's nothing to eat. See I I was not wise enough. But yet as I said, I was blessed because I learned a lesson. As time went on I come to this country. But you see, at that time, just for some people who are laughing when I say age, you know, at your age, I did not know what television was. I'm sorry. I never know. You told me television, I said, what are you talking about? You tell me even radio, we were just starting. Telephone just starting. See, to you, it's funny. Like was the internet. Not long ago, some of us, even younger ones, well, we, we didn't know what internet was. Mr. Armstrong had never heard what internet was. The first time he was told about computer, he says, "What's that?" And then when we told what it can do, he says, "You know, I, 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 I was there." He looked at a machine almost as big as this from here to here. That was the computer. It's one in my pocket. He said, what does it do? Once he heard what it could do, he said, well, we, we should have that. Because we can't do that with that God's work. So he got it. So that's the vision. Accept the challenge. Recognize the need. And work for it. Yeah, you, you, some of you were laughing when I said that we didn't know what television was. Look at the technology. We were told that in five years, you young people, All the things, you know, today would be almost passe, or behind, or old, all the stuff. Look at technology today. It has moved so fast. You put it in your pocket, your telephone, everything else. Even you young people are surprised. So, you see, those are changes, which is fine. Some of them are good, some of them could be bad. But the danger is that, you see, if you don't really work for, appreciate, and do something about it, you are not benefiting from. You know what? I don't regret I did not know what a television was when I was younger. I had more time to read. I had more time to converse. I had more time to study. That's what it is. Not that I'm a better person, but at least I, I became more mature. As Paul says, <laughs> you become mature. Today, we have so much of those, this what we call these pleasures, or whatever it is, that you don't have time to think. Look at publicity today. They think for you. They, to- they tell you what to do. In other words, you buy by instinct, by what you hear. And all these things, as I said, could be good or bad, depending exactly how do you look at them. That's why some people are happy and some people are unhappy because they don't know how to cope with the challenge. Now you hear from this Poput all the time be positive. If you know there's a change in your head be positive anyway. Look, we know there, is a, there are difficulties things or days ahead of us. So when they arrive don't question why. Don't say, don't start complaining. You know it's going to happen. Be prepared. If you're prepared, then you don't have to ask unnecessary questions. Another thing which is hard in this challenging life, the generation gap. This is what we call generation gap? See, again, if you had enough maturity and understanding, what a generation gap is, you won't regret something you cannot do anymore, you can't, you want to be read because of the fact you'll be prepared for. And then you'll be a mature person. Remember, perhaps some of you have read, I don't know, again, going back to Mr. Armstrong's teachings, he spoke of maturity, emotional maturity. He says, emotional maturity is putting, applying the Ten Commandments, living by Ten Commandments. The opposite was emotional immaturity. And most of us today are, not in the church, I hope not, in the world, they suffer from emotional immaturity. With that type of a life, you can never actually really reach maturity. And you could never be totally speaking a person pleasing to God mentally, physically, spiritually, we have to be ready to accept the challenges in life, whatever, in the right attitude. And perhaps the best way to explain this would be to take a few examples from the Bible. You see that these people, I can only just get highlights, they did not have easy life. You you heard about Paul in the ceremony. Ceremonate. But you see, Paul did not have easy life. You heard it. Look at the attitude. What he wrote, what he taught. We, today we are using his example, his life and so forth. And we are learning from him. Paul, Paul was able to meet the challenge. Mr. Armstrong certainly did. Now let's go back and let me take, I don't know how many examples I can take. Uh, let's take Noah. Some people think of Noah as a legend. No, it's not a legend, it's true. The fact is that, you see, his example is fantastic. Because Noah lived in a world just like the world today. Let me just skip over a few few verses in uh, Genesis 6. It's very interesting, but for sake of time. Let me just Take only one verse in Genesis 6. Genesis 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that, look at, look at, look, see, the Bible describes very vividly what happened. The Lord saw that the weakness of man was great in the earth, and that every, look at this, every breath of, every intent of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, I like playing words, yes. And that's my hobby. But here, I say, be careful, don't use the words which are not <laughs> pliable, not generalized. But when Bible, speaks, when Bible describes, then I don't challenge. Here God is saying that He saw at that time, that every thought of man was bad. Every thought of his heart was only continually evil. God means what he says. So that's the age Noah was living. But was, he was okay, he was fine, he was doing fine and God blessed him. And all of a sudden, Noah was called for a challenge. Look, start building a, an ark. You know, I'm, I'm just, I have to skip, I'll just give you highlights, highlights as I said. So he was given a job which required on his part to be ridiculed by people and they did and be patient because he waited 120 years more or less to achieve for the clouds to come for the flood to come he had to just, all that time he wasn't sitting down just having fun he was working he was being ridiculed Yet, look what happened. When the flood came, not only he was ready, not only his family was saved, but he had served God. How? How did he do that? God told him what to do. And look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Look, look here's the answer. Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. See, that's the way he, ch- he met the challenge. He did what he told him, God told him to do. There it is. It is, wasn't easy. So, he compared your life to his. How did he succeed? Because he walked with God. He did exactly what God told him to do. So, he was able to meet the challenge. And it change, change. Let's take another one, Abraham. Abraham was of age. But you see, he had a comfortable life. Abraham was happy. He had a good life, blessed in respect, a good family, money. And you know what? There's nothing he could have wished, let's say, more. What happens? God presented to him another challenge, big challenge. God knows what he is so don't question. When you go through a test, let's say, don't question it. If a test from God, I accept and meet the challenge with a positive attitude. Now, let's perhaps take a few words in Genesis chapter 12. Look the way he took it. So those, those are examples for us to learn, apply, and go forward. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country. Wait a moment. I'm happy. <laughs> why, should I, why should I leave behind? What do I do wrong? Nothing. He said, Get out of the country. From your family. God is love, you remember? From your father's house to, to land what uh, that I will show you. In Hebrews chapter 11, you will, you will know that Abraham did not know where he was going to go. God didn't say, this is the place you're going to go. He says, get up and go. Crazy. He was doing fine. He was doing everything everything fine. And God want, wanted the total change and challenge in Abraham's life. Then, of course, God... Explain more. He says, "I'll make, I'll bless you." Verse two. I'll make a great nation of you. I'll make your name great. You should be a blessing. But you see, all that hadn't happened yet. Those are promises. The same promises apply to us. We have it too. But some of us, some of us, don't act as Abraham did. We want to see the blessings before we say yes. That's another way of knowing to accept the challenge. We have to accept yes, when God says something without having received the promise. That's what Abraham did. God says, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. In In you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. At the time, no such thing had occurred. It was only a promise. Abraham Believed it. That's what faith is. Faith is in a way accepting challenge with God's help. So, the tremendous challenge here, what a sacrifice he had to do. What was his act- attitude? How did he do it? He too walked with with God like Noah. He too accepted. Let me Show the attitude. Romans chapter 4. So those are examples because those should give us what we need to succeed in life. Everyone, brethren, I don't care how rich, how poor, how great, how small, how young, how old, how healthy, how sick. Everyone faces a challenge. So have that in mind. Some people, you are pleased, you are pleased to be with them because their presence inspires you. Those are the people who know how to meet a challenge. Others who are depressed, depressed because those are the people they complain rather than appreciate what they have. Here, this is the way actually Abraham acted. Romans chapter 4. Uh, Paul writes, therefore it is of of faith, Romans chapter 4, verse 16, that it might be according to grace, so that promises of God be sure. Let me just skip. Yeah. But also it says, to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of, of us all. Abraham showed exactly how to have faith in God, accept God's promises without having seen them, Go forward despite adversity. Uh, Verse 17, Romans 4. As it is written, I have made you, says the father of many nations. Yet this hadn't happened yet, I repeat. In the presence of him, says whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and and to those things which do not exist as though they did exist. I don't know if you follow the reasoning here. See, if we know we have enough faith in God, we know that what God says will happen then as though it has happened. From that moment on, you should be able to cope with any change, and challenge. And brethren, you don't have to be great, or great mind, or higher education to get this simple That's why God says you have to be like a child. A child, you know, a child has that attitude. To a child, uh, everything is possible. I remember again, Mr. Armstrong's example, he said that when one of his sons were younger, it was Dick Armstrong. I worked with him. So, one, one day when Dick was very little, he said, Dad his little car was broken, fix it. <laughs> Mr. Officer. says, I don't know how to fix that thing. Dad says, you can do it. Fix it for me. See, that, that type of a confidence. And you see, if we had that type of a confidence in God the Father, then you can meet new challenge. So that is what God expects us to have, to have that childish attitude toward the promises God, God makes. Verse 18, Romans 4. This the translation in the King James is not quite as the new one, good as it should be. But it says here, verse 18, who contrary to, contrary to hope, I, I, I prefer hope against hope. That's what I guess the, all this King James is. That's what it is. Hope against hope, or contrary to hope. He believed and that's where we, we fall short. So that says, he became the father of many, many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. You know, actually, hope against hope is the best definitions for, definition of faith, really. That's what faith is. Faith is not hoping something. There again, some of us, we don't quite, quite grasp it. We're hoping something, we, we think it's faith. When you are, an, let's say, anointed, when you're sick, with oil, most of the people that I even know are anointed for sickness. Again, I don't want to think of anything, but most of them are hoping, rather than having faith. If you have really faith, most of the time the healing should take place right away. All of us are in the same world, in a way. Because we don't have that type of a... this type of an attitude, let's say, as Abraham had. Now, in Abraham's case, therefore, he succeeded. He knew what fate was. Yet, his nephew, Lot, did not have the same attitude to start with. His nephew had to be convinced of. I'll skip all the verses in between. Finally, Lot accepted the challenge too. He, all right, he's going to go with Abraham. But you see, Lot's family did not accept. So what happened? The, the, the wife didn't want to go, and the angel came, as you know, verses 12, 13, Genesis 19. And then the, the angel said, look, get out of here, because... Dangerous before you God is going to destroy. So verse fourteen. Genesis nineteen. So Lot went out of out and spoke to his sons in law, Genesis nineteen, verse fourteen, who had married daughters. So, Get up out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. Well, it's a warning God is given because they did not have enough faith as Abraham had, or even Lot had in a way, saw his sons-in-law, that seemed to them joking. You know, it's interesting. When I was in Switzerland, going to school, and just afterwards the war broke out, when we heard Hitler speak, we thought he was joking. We didn't think that was going to happen. And it, after a while it became a really ugly word. Oh well, this will not happen. And strangely enough when the war began, except for a few difficulties, it took some time before it broke out. In the meantime the German army was moving, but it was a joke. On my general line, or Siegfried line. It is nothing. So, people became, in a way, lethargic. And brethren, this could happen to us. It did happen to us. It is happening to us. Unless we wake up and able to face the the challenges and the changes in our lives, we are going to also have the same difficulties as far as the future is concerned. So, finally, uh, back to Genesis 19, verse 15. So, the angels came and they convinced the Lord. And then what happens? So, his wife reluctantly (laughs) followed too. And they were told, don't look look back. Again, God gives you how to succeed, how to cope. a change you see all of us have the same warning today don 't look back because if you're looking back to learning something fine to appreciate something that you have fine, but looking back and re- regretting it will ruin you. you will never succeed in life accepting a challenge or meeting a change if you look back regret with regrets for something you did sure you should regret. For sick, uh, sickness or sins. That's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something you miss, you wish you, wish you had done, whatever it is. I'm talking about something looking to toward the future with a positive attitude. and the past, only learning and avoiding mistakes. Then you are actually, if you're doing that, you're on the right track. Do not look back. That's what Paul said. Okay, let's continue. Another example. Suppose you were a king or a queen. We always look at kings and queens as though they are great, they are happy, they are wealthy. People look up to them. So it's fine, whatever you, your idea of a king. Here we have a queen, beautiful queen. A queen who had everything, not from the beginning, but I'm talking about Queen Esther. When well, actually she was chosen to be the king's new wife, Esther had to make a tremendous decision. See, Esther was, was Jew. And at the time, the Haman, the, the country she went in, this person hated the Jews. So, here, here she has a problem, Esther chapter 4, Esther the uncle, Mordecai, and Mordecai was Jew, Esther was Jew, everything seemed to be alright, because Esther went as high as he can reach, you in know, in in with the throne, under the king. So, what happened? Again, I'm just skipping everything, I just want to give you highlights. Esther was presented the facts. She was told, look, your nation is going to be destroyed because Haman hates Jews. Do something. You can read Esther 4, 1, 2, 3, the whole chapter. It's very interesting. Esther had to face a tremendous challenge. Suppose you had all of us, just like Abraham. She had everything. She was a queen. She enjoyed everything. She was presented with a demand from her uncle, Mordecai. So, because when Esther's maids and Mordecai told her what is happening, she was facing a very big decision, a big challenge. A biggest challenge that I guess anyone who was here perhaps had to make in a, such, in a similar sequence dance. So she was presented with this. Let me see, yeah, I'm trying to get the verses here. Uh, verse twelve, Esther four. Look, the challenge she had to face. Mordecai told Esther, "Do not think." But let, let, let's get to this verse. Uh, 13th. So Mordecai told them to answer Esther's question, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any or all the Jews. If, he says, you remain completely silent at this time, she has a responsibility which calls, give up everything you have and suffer with us, or keep what you have and then no one knows what's going to happen to you, but at least you'll be safe. It's a question of life and death in a way. You give up everything else. So he says, if you remain completely silent at this time, verse 14, says, then he says, from a deliverance will rise perhaps for the Jews from another place. It's at least Mordecai is giving the right encouragement. If God wants something, God is going to do it. If He calls you for a job, you don't do it, God is going to find someone who will do it. That's what, again, Mr. Armstrong used to say. He says, look, I know He called me, I will do it. Even if all of you left me, I still would do it. See, so that's the challenge you had in mind. And that's what we should all have it. If you're called today for whatever job you have, stick to it and do the job Reward is from God. And that's what matters. Here, the Queen Esther, let's say, had really just is facing a tremendous responsibility. So what did she say? Verse 16. This, is, this time, Esther talking. She says, go and gather all the Jews and fast. This is the Queen talking. Fast for me. Now, see, I've, every time I speak about fast, I say don't ask anyone to fast for you, unless you also fast. Otherwise, it's, it's foolishness. Here, it would have been foolish if she had said, "Fast for me." But look what it says: "Eat nor drink kisses for three days, night or day. My maids and I will also fast." So now it was she is doing her part too. And then he says, I will go to the king. See, at that time, there was a law. You could not have gone to the king unless the king invited you. You know what? She was again risking her life once again. So she will go to the king, even though she is not asked to go. She says, if I die, if I perish, I perish. This is what God expects of us. You see, This type of meeting or accepting a challenge. What happened? So Esther obeyed God and she was blessed. Mordecai was blessed. Today we are in a way here because of the fact this Queen Esther did what God expected her to do. Now lately, you have heard Mr. Meredith preach from this pulpit saying, get ready. And get ready because of the fact we don't know what's going to happen. If we have this in mind, we know it's going to happen, then be in a positive attitude, willing attitude, but prepare yourself, financially or what the food wise, or whatever it is. You know Whatever you can do, do it. Don't count on what you're doing, count on God. But be ready in the sense that at least you can do the most you can under the present circumstances. This is wisdom. And we can do it, we should do it, and we should be able to just go forward let's say with confidence because God will bless us but if we don't do your share you will not see God's blessing because you won't be ready for it there are so many examples but i'm skipping now another change in life <laughs> this I read here is also interesting a big change is a marriage a marriage today look at the world today Today, there are more divorces than marriages. Why? Because people aren't ready for marriage. Because people don't quite count the cost. Here, as you see, Esther counted the cost. She knew she was going to die, but she was ready and willing to accept. People don't realize that marriage is a change in a way. Tremendous challenge. You have to sacrifice much in your life if you're single if you're going to get attached with someone else. Lots of changes we have to prepare ahead of time. I know I deal with these things over here because some people get get involved in marriage without even counseling, without even knowing what it requires. And then, of course, what happens? Look at the messes we have today in the world. Not only we have more divorces and marriages, but you also have forsaken children. It's sad. It breaks your heart when you see so many children. They don't know what to turn. I was talking to a child. Not now, it was some time ago. He said, sir, I don't know which way to turn. It's sad. I said, don't you have parents? He said, yes, but they don't listen to me. They don't want to hear my problems. They, those parents were not ready, ready or willing to sacrifice, to listen to the children's needs. Because those parents themselves, they didn't know how to cope with the challenge. They were not ready, they did not accept. You know, I just, uh, this is a big subject, of course, we have a book that's on the subject. But uh, the, what we call juvenile delinqu- delinquency. Juvenile delinquency should not have existed if parents knew how to teach their children. If, that, if parents know how to need, understand the needs of the children. If parents know how the child thinks. So there is again generation gap. They are not able to just understand, put themselves in their shoes. They have been there and just the willingness to give out, to give, the willingness to get away from their selfish needs. Selfishness is the worst enemy you have as far as coping with challenge. If you want what you need, you. If if you want your needs selfishly, you will never make it. Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple of words on this marriage here, because... Again, look at the principle. God has given us what we're supposed to do. For the wives, he says, look, love your husband. For the husband says, look, love your wives. As Christ, on that same level, Ephesians 5, verse 25, and so forth. I'm going to skip all that because you know those things. But what counts here is that every one of us is given direction to succeed. Brethren, we don't take time to study. Some of us read the Bible. Some of us spend maybe half an hour a day reading the Bible. That isn't the way to read the Bible. You have to sometimes maybe come study the Bible spend 10 minutes on one verse. I do that sometimes. And just meditate. You said, how do you prepare a sermon? That's how I prepare a sermon. I take a verse And then I start thinking about it. You'd be surprised how many ideas you get. Jot them down. Or if you have any kind of a problem, if you find an answer in the Bible, take time get the answer in the Bible, perhaps one or two or three verses, and take time to meditate. Some of us are too lazy to meditate or daydream. I'm not (coughs) talking about daydreaming. I'm talking about controlling your mind. Contain your thoughts. Uh, Paul gave a tremendous lecture, let's say, the lecture, in Titus chapter two. See, Paul went through, as you heard in the sermon it, many difficulties. And then in Titus two he gives a very short in a short way, that's all I can do, just leave you highlights of each one should do. He speaks of the older people, younger people, single people, married people, widows. Every, in Titus 2, everything is covered. Because that, it, it's beautiful. He, this doesn't mean that the, the older people should only read what's said about them, or vice versa. Here, Paul is giving, every one of us, perhaps the major difficulties some people have depending whether they are men women, single, whatever it is So, but all of the, everything here applies to every one of us let me just give you some highlights Titus 2 he tells Titus and he says speak to all these things and prepare for sound doctrine that older men now see again, this applies to all of us but here is perhaps a weakness the older men be sober, reverent, temperate Son, in faith, in love, in patience. Here it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. Take time and meditate. I can spend almost half an hour on this. Just analyze in your mind. Then, verse 3, all the women, likewise. I repeat, this also applies to men, women, everyone else. But at least, here the highlights, that they be reverent in behavior. A lot of marriages, mar- women are not reverent in behavior. Not slanderers, not given too much wine. Teachers of good things, that's what they should be. Then it comes to verse 4, the young women. See, that it, it covers everyone and gives you highlights, which every one of it, I repeat, applies to everyone. Was Young women to love their husbands, to love their children. We have lost that, haven't we? The love today has lost its meaning. The love Bible has, practically speaking, if our children, our people, understood what love is, you won't have the mess we are living in today. And it says, uh, to be, verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, homemakers, good, obedient, to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed, See, those are not empty words. This is how to cope with the change. This is how to accept challenges. And then he speaks about bond servants, verse nine, to be obedient to their own masters and so forth. Pleasing is in all, in all things, not answering back, and so forth. So let's continue to the, conclude the sermon here. There's so much I'm skipping, as you can see. I didn't mind Ruth, but let's skip Ruth. And let's get an example now, some examples in the disciples' lives. When Christ called his disciples, what were disciples doing? I don't think they were expecting to have Christ come to them and say, Well, I need you. Look at Peter's example. Actually, Peter and the others too. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. See, those are all changes in their lives. These people had something to do. These people had a job. These people had a family. These people have everything different from what they expected. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. So Jesus began to preach the gospels, says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is heaven, Uh, Uh, at hand. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Those brothers had no idea that actually Christ would come and call them. And Peter and Andrew, they were casting net into their sea. They were fishermen. They were, you know, you will be surprised. They were successful fishermen. They were happy. They were glad. And so, all of a sudden, Christ comes to them and Look what it says. He came to them, verse nineteen, says, "Follow me." (laughs) Just like Abraham, follow me. Wait a moment. What? Who are you? What do you want me to do? What's the price? I said, "Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men." I don't think they understood what it meant to be fishers of men at the time. (laughs) Verse twenty. It's a beautiful verse. It's hard to swallow. It's beautiful. They immediately left their nets, nets and followed him. Wow. That's an attitude, isn't it? See, I, I don't know the details with the hair mouth of, of successful men. They immediately followed. Of course, God's Spirit was guiding them, but this is the attitude we need. Then verse 21. Going on from there, Christ saw other two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John the brother, and they were also fishermen, mending their nets. He called them, verse 22, they immediately left the boat and their father. And followed him. See, this sounds to, to some of us strange. Was these two people, of course, God had in mind, they were in a way, believers, Christ chose them. He knew them. He knew their hearts. But you see, they still had to go through that challenge, because God called every one of us here, just like this. Some of us came fast. Some of us came slow. Doesn't matter. But the question is, are just like them? Once we made up our minds to follow Him, do we, or do we stop at the challenge? Do we stop as a condition? Do we stop as a change in our lives, or positions, whatever it is? Some of God's people didn't do it. That's reason why look at the church's status or condition today. You know, I never thought in the ministry back in Pasadena when we were still there that one day would be not only come to North Carolina, but have so many churches, churches come out of the Church of God. Never thought of it. Unheard of. Why? Because some of the people were not ready to accept the change. Accept the challenge. Stick to the truth they had learned. Easy way out. And those are the difficulties we have in life. Brethren, don't, learn, don't turn back, as you heard. Go forward, look forward. But always know that God is there to help you. Now, the attitude of, the, of these disciples here, those fishermen who became disciples, look at the attitude of other people. And that's where perhaps some of us fall. See, because not everyone accepted the challenge when Christ Call them. And some of them had a wonderful excuse. Like some of us have always a wonderful excuse. An excuse always pleases you. See, because you give an excuse to defend yourself, to justify yourself, to say why you do or you don't do something. And as I said, in your own eyes, the excuse you give is acceptable. (laughs) It's not always acceptable to others. Look at in the example, Luke chapter nine. The example, the same example, Christ is calling now other people. Luke nine verse 50, fifty-seven. It happened that as they journeyed, journeyed on the road, someone said to Christ, "Lord, I will follow you wherever you go." It's wishful, wish, wishful thinking, wishful desire. Was he ready no? Did the count to No. He expected to be following Christ and have all the blessings. That's the difficulties some of, some of us have. We came to the church hoping everything would be rosy. We, we forget perhaps that the rose without thorns is not, is not the rose. You see here, the man who wants to follow Christ, he says, I will follow wherever you go. Christ says, "Look, folk, foxes have holes." Verse fifty-eight, look nine. Birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. That, was, that did it. See, he expected to be following Christ, be prosperous, and perhaps be in palaces. If Christ cannot offer him that type of a life, not interested. Verse fifty-nine. Then he said to another follow me. He too has an ex- excuse, a good one. He says, let me first go and bury my father. It's a good excuse, isn't it? But it isn't what Christ wanted him to do. See, there's a time and place for everything. If Christ calls you, if Christ asks you something, don't look for an excuse. Nothing wrong to bury your father, but the first thing first. So he too, he wasn't ready for what was Christ's answer? He says, you don't get it. Let the dead bury the dead. He says, you go and preach the kingdom of God. I don't know what happened. The turned away. Another verse, 61 of the said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go, and that's a good one, and bid farewell who, to, to those who are at my house. There's your danger. There's your looking back. There's your, you want to go back and live again all the good times you had. Once you start going back, you will never come back again. That what's happened. So that's why you, once you are called of God, don't turn back. This is your calling. I appreciate. You will have ups and downs. You will have challenges, some of them difficult. But you see, remember what we are. Dust. Breath, vapor—that's what we are. So, when you look at what's ahead of you, and compare to what is you're losing here, you can see that you see your excuse will be almost no, no good at all. Well, another one, of course, Christ uh, said. Well, no, Christ's answer was, no one having put his hand to the, to the plow, plow, he says, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No, that's not the way to look forward. You see, brethren, when God called you, God knew what your capacities were. God knew how much you can take. God gave you the strength you need and uh, above all, when you were baptized, God gave you the power of His Spirit. The power and the Spirit of God in you is going to do what God expects you to do. And that's where, we, where where your strength is. Some of us don't count on God. says, I cannot do it. No, brethren, you can do it. If God asks you something, you can do it because God's mind, God's Spirit in you is going to Not you doing, God's doing. That's where we go wrong. That's how we are unable to meet the challenge. We count on on ourselves. If you count on yourselves, you are not going to make it. But with God's help, all things are possible. You remember Abraham? Hoping against hope. Let's conclude This sermon here as to how to cope with the challenge in life. And all and remember, please, every day is a challenge. Every circumstance is a challenge. Every trial is a challenge. And we have to be accepting the good and the bad with the right attitude. And I would like, as you heard in the sermon with with, and with Paul this time, Acts chapter 9. Paul In his life, you know, I don't know how much you have studied. I have a book, interesting book about Paul. A man had studied Paul's life and has written a whole book, thick book, as to how much Paul did, humanly speaking. And he himself had gone through all the various cities Paul went because he he wanted to study how Paul met the challenges at the time. Anyway... Paul, as you heard, was a man of success. He hated every, everything which is against his own understanding of religion. He was a Pharisee. The Pharisees did not preach or understood the Christ teaching as they should have. But in Paul's own mind, he thought he understood. He thought he was doing good. He was able to, he was capable to even kill the those who believe in Christ. That was a pretty high, high position, wasn't it? So see, verse, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. At the time his name was Saul. Saul still braiding threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, because he thought they were wrong. Went to the high priest, asking letters, verse 2, from the syna- uh, from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that he could not find what we call this new sect, way of, whatever, way of life, whether men or women, that he might bring them to, bring them bound to Jerusalem. This is the man. See, he be, he's acting upon his beliefs. What happened? On his way, Christ caught him. And Christ had in my mind um, his mind on him because he knew Paul's heart. He knew that he could use this man. All he had to do change Paul's heart. But Paul had all the qualities of success, successful person. So he struck him on the on road to Damascus. If Paul, Paul or Saul fell down, verse four, heard a voice saying, "Why do you persecute me?" You know it's. it's It sounds like a fairy tale. It is not a fairy tale. God called him, as God called you, because he had a mission. And Paul, when he was down, said something which you and I should say. And that's, to me, one of the most beautiful parts in the Bible. To me. Because a, a part of the Bible which shows you what your attitude should be to cope any circumstance, any change. Any challenges. First, prove all things. He said, verse 5, Lord, who are you? Prove all things. And afterwards, when Christ answered him, he says, trembling and astonished, verse 6, Lord, what do you want me to do? Brethren, with this attitude, you could never go wrong. Every one of us, we, in a way, passed through this type of uh, experience. And Paul knew, and Christ has told us, and we should know too. Christ said, look, and this is, again, another one of the beautiful passages in the Bible. In John chapter 16, uh, Christ said, look, the hour is coming, verse 16, uh, 32, that you'll be scattered, each of you, and leave me alone. Those are prophecies which happen, which will happen again. Yet it says, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. See, we have, brethren, if we understand this and do what Christ said, We will be able to cope with any change, any challenges with a positive heart and knowing that we will succeed.